Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hey, Sarah Shaw here today with another episode of a street smart MBA. I am here with Ryan Blair today, who's author of Rock Bottom to Rock Star. And by the age of 21, Ryan had already founded his first business, 24-7 Tech, and has since created and sold numerous other companies for hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of his career. In 2012, Blair was named one of Ernest & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year in the category for consumer products. In August of 2011, he published the New York Times bestseller, Nothing to Lose and Everything to Gain, How I Went from a Gang Member to Multi-Millionaire multi -millionaire Entrepreneur, which is an uncensored personal account of overwhelming and overcoming a life of adversity and a roadmap for entrepreneurial success through the process of reinvention while simultaneously facing the biggest professional challenge of his career, rescuing his company, Visalis, which, by the way, does like a billion dollars in sales. Ryan's brand new book, Rock Bottom to Rock Star, Lessons from the Business School of Hard Knocks, is about learning to take those moments at the bottom when you're beaten down, exhausted, embarrassed, and cornered, and using them to propel yourself forward. This book explores how he rose to the top and shares his personal formula for going from rock bottom to rock star to be the absolute best at whatever you do. Ryan regularly appears as a business expert in national television networks, Bloomberg, CNBC, CNBC, MSNBC, Fox, Fox News, and he's also been featured in major publications such as Fortune, Business Week, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and People Magazine. So welcome, Ryan. Really great to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Sarah. I, uh, I appreciate the kind words in the introduction. Uh, <laughs> I just want to make one clarify, clarifying point. Uh, Vicealis isn't uh, doing a billion dollars. We recently just bought it back, and uh, so uh, it soon will. Uh, how soon, I don't know, but uh, it's definitely been an interesting journey. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. And uh, I'm sure that's going to be an awesome journey. <laughs> so I know yeah. that you talk a lot about your story, right? And I've read little things about how, you know, you're kind of bored about talking about your story. But I want to talk a little bit <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm not bored. I share, yeah, I share the story uh, because it is a unique gift to have, you know, received you know, the, the blessings of various types of adversities and then the skills and the mentorship and the, the, the things necessary to get through them. So shoot, whatever questions you have, I'm an open book. Yeah, so good. I love that because I am too. So um, everyone always was like, don't you have secrets? I'm like, how can you have secrets in this day and age? Um, yeah, so no kidding. How, I, how, I, take them, <laughs> I take all my skeletons out of the closet and I put them in the bookstore. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah, Go ahead, I please. I've got mine on my front porch. So, um, so talk a little bit about your, you know, your story and how, how, you, how you got from you know, living on the streets kind yeah. of and being in a gang to, you know, to being your own rock star. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of people don't understand this, but all a gang really is is, a, is an illegal enterprise. Uh, right. It is entrepreneurship uh, without structure, without you know, uh, licensing and approval and so forth. And there's actually a documentary uh, that was – 
uh, built up off after the book Freakonomics. The documentary itself is called mm-hmm. Freakonomics, and the, uh, the, the, the person presenting talks about the hierarchy of a gang and how it's the worst job in America. So a lot of people, there's a misnomer around it. Gangs are just generally groups of people that gather, um, that don't have opportunity, or at least they perceive that they don't. Um, and they, they do all kinds of various things to, to, to live and survive in poverty. Um, and not every, you know, at the time that I got involved and it, it wasn't necessarily a choice of mine. It was forced onto me. My sister, uh, my older sister, uh, his best friend was murdered in a drive-by shooting and, mm-hmm. uh, all the older kids in the neighborhood basically started forcing the younger kids into the gang in retaliation and, uh, you know, in a, a bit of an arms race, so to speak. So I got to see, uh, uh, poverty, and I got to see the entrepreneurship that exists in there, and there's a lot of it. It's all around. And I also came from the middle class. Prior to losing my father at 13 years old, he was an engineer uh, in the aerospace industry. He was very successful for you know being in the middle class at that time, $100,000 a year. We lived in a small town uh, called Moore Park. I had you know at Christmas time, I had new toys. Come new come school year, every new school year, I had new clothes. You know, I had a uh, I had the typical middle-class upbringing. And when that got ripped away after he disappeared at 13 uh, and I got forced into a gang and into poverty, I got to see the way the world works in a whole different you know, perspective. And I resented it. You know, the middle class is very comfortable. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of children right now that are just like me that, you know, that, that, that are having their homes you know, foreclosed on as we did or their, their furniture repossessed or you know, their parents are really struggling out there. So I know what it's like to be a child in the, you know, in the middle class and then have that ripped away from you to wind up in poverty, um, you know, and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. And then when I was 17 years old, my mother, who, um, you know, she had a really difficult time with alcoholism. And that's why I became a ward of the court, which in essence means, means my parental guardians were the United States government. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she got sobered up and she started uh, talking to a guy who uh, gave me a bit of an apprenticeship in the real estate industry. And he used to buy foreclosures in low-income housing. And he'd send me in to do his dirty work, like literally dirty work. Um, and I just saw how this person, you know, he basically worked just as hard as all the leaders in the gang did, but he didn't have to worry about getting shot or going to jail or anything like that. And I thought, huh, I'll right. do this type of entrepreneurship. It seems to be a lot less uh, stressful and uh, you don't have to worry as much about survival. At least, you know, you have to worry about financial survival, but not, you know, your physical survival. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's the story. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I did end up going to uh, school, and I did end up going back to school, getting my high school diploma at an adult education program. I then went to community college. Uh, where I learned I had an aptitude for computer sciences, which is what I used to – well, you know, I used to steal computers when I was a kid, so I guess it all worked mm-hmm. out uh, in the end. <laughs> and everybody listening to me on this, yes, it is about street smarts, but uh, I've since repented. I've given millions to charity. And I paid, you know, tens of millions, if not over 100 million, between my cumulative company's taxes. So uh, I've definitely paid it forward. And, and I just so happened to, to come of age when I was, you know, starting to get, and, um, you know, uh, when I was in college, I, you know, I loved computers. I obsessed about them. And then I got a job in, in a, the computer sciences field. Um, and then I worked my way up and started my first company when I was 21, or 20 or 21, something like that. I'm 39 now, so it was 20 years ago. Yeah, that's a pretty good, pretty good distance to travel in 20 years. 
Yeah, you know, um, people, I, I always, that's like one of the number one things I tell people is just if you take the, a long enough time horizon on anything you do and you stay with it, you know, as much as you can, regardless of personal adversity or, you know, the economy or all the other things that are outside your control, um, you'll, you'll win. Uh, yeah. Provided that, you know, you, you, you continue to grow and work on yourself and, you know, and, and fix yourself as you find yourself stalling, plateauing, uh, comfortable, uncomfortable, all those things. I agree. You talk a lot about, I mean, I've seen articles in some parts in your book, you talk about, you know, how Steve Jobs was a big inspiration to you and that, yeah. you know, his, his rock bottom moment kind of inspired you to get your rock star on. <laughs> and, you know, in a sense. Yeah, my, well, yeah, and, I bought my company back inspired by Steve. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say, you know, how, you know, that you talk about how, like, you refer to Apple as the kind of company that you wanted to emulate. You know, you have different references to it in different parts of your book and, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and, and how, you know, their amazing PR helps them really stand out and be different, right, from, from everybody yeah. else. And it is a company to admire and how, they, you know, how he did all that. And so do you think that, like, do you suggest that everybody find a company that they want to be like and find kind of even a, you know, untouchable mentor, you know, somebody yeah. like, you know, that, that you can't necessarily just pick up the phone and be like, hey, want to have coffee, but that you can watch yeah. what they're doing and, and kind of investigate yeah, it's, it's really how they cool. do it. So, yeah, so I've, I've, uh, um, I've studied everything that I could about Steve. I've even hired some of his ex-colleagues to come teach me and my team things like, you know, how to uh, reduce complexity and simplify. I mean, he was a master at that. There's, I wrote an article on LinkedIn recently, and there's a lot of controversy uh, surrounding it where people are arguing as to whether or not Steve Jobs was, you know, good or bad. And, you know, he, 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 uh, he forced people's wages down in the Silicon Valley. He outsources his manufacturing, you know, to China, blah, 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 blah. I'm, you know, look, as an entrepreneur, you, only, other, only entrepreneurs can understand other entrepreneurs. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily understand everything there is to know about Steve Jobs, but I've spent a lot of time studying him not because I want to emulate him, but I want his best practices applied to, you know, uh, their, you know, their, their equivalent within, you know, the walls of my portfolio of companies. For those of you on, in the audience, I, I uh, have a VC fund called Hashtag One, and I invest in a lot of technology companies. And obviously, you know, if you're not paying attention to what Apple's done and how they've done it, then, you know, <laughs> then uh, you're blind uh, or your, right. your pride is getting in the way of uh, you learning from or observing from perhaps a, a competitor. Um, so I'm, I'm in Apple, by the way, they're, they're doing everything they can to uh, get as much of the consumer's discretionary spending as possible. So if you're not mm -hmm. paying attention to them, you know, you're not paying attention to your consumer. So if right. you're in the business of selling to consumers or selling to businesses that sell to consumers, I'd study Apple deeply because they're getting more of that disposable income than anybody right now, uh, particularly in the middle class. Right. Yep, they are. <laughs> I mean, every time they have a new phone out, I got to spend two thousand dollars, and I don't even know right. why. Like, I got this new phone, right. and I, yeah. uh, I, 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 I have to have a yeah, I have to have like ten terabytes of their service. I got to have the hundred gigabyte, the two hundred gigabyte phone, the big camera. It's like they just they got us addicted to their products. And, exactly, um, I know. And, and that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. To, I I've been reading your book, and I um, was talking to this first. This woman called me today and about possibly working with me, and 
I was looking at her website and I realized that she was telling me all these great things about herself and none of it was there. Like she didn't have a press page and she didn't have her whole speaker yeah. thing on there. And I, was, and I said to her, I said, you know, I'm kind of interested because I'm reading this book, <laughs> Rock Bottom to Rock Star. And she's like, and you're going to tell me to go get it. And I was like, I, you probably should because I said, you're okay, not you. talking about what a rock star you are on your website, you know. And she's like, yeah. oh, that's so interesting. I just built this new site and I didn't even put on the two biggest things that I want to promote about myself, right? And so I, yeah. in that moment, I was kind of thinking about, you know, about women in, in being a rock star. And obviously there's huge ones like Madonna or whatever, but no, normal people <laughs> that, you yeah. know, that are that that are either maybe afraid or feel ashamed or be embarrassed get embarrassed to be too big you know like I know in my own life I've I've done that to myself like I'm I'm a go-getter and a hustler (laughs) and and I you know and and there's been times you know I've been in a relationship where I've kind of made myself small you know to be with somebody because I was feeling like maybe I was being too big and they were shying away from it to realize that you do you know I do want my star to shine and then you got to dump the guy so um, (laughs) do you do you find that there's a big difference between women being willing to shine and be a big rock star and, and men? Yeah, uh, you know, that's a great afraid? question. Um, I, I'm not an expert in women, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I have, uh, I've surrounded myself with an amazing team. Uh, and, you know, on my team, my closest, uh, uh, you know, most trusted advisors are uh, female. Um, so I, I do have some of their perspective. And I also, I do a lot of uh, outreach in the autism community because I have a son, uh, Reagan, who has autism. And so I, I get to talk to a lot of uh, single mothers or mothers that are suffering from having children with special needs. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote the book, uh, Rock Bomb to Rockstar, it was, you know, the rock star was not for me because I've, I've lived a rock star life. I know what that's like. I enjoy it. But now I get more pleasure out of seeing other people achieve their own, uh, you know, stage metaphorically. Mm-hmm. I want, uh, I want that single mother, yeah, I want that single mother that goes above and beyond to make sure that their child has the education that they have a right to, to make sure that their child is exposed to other various mentors, to make sure that their child, you know, has everything that that child needs and a good kick in the butt on occasion to make sure that child, you know, uh, grows up. That's the person right. that, that, that's my hero that I want to help, you know, overcome their personal adversities, learn the business tactics and strategies, and take action so that way, you know, we fix a lot of the big problems that are happening in our society because so many people mm-hmm. – so back to your original question, though, but I was just going to say so many people right now, um, you know, they're just lost and they're, they're, they're in fear or they're, you know, in shame or they're paralyzed. Now, when you put yourself out there, and one of the things I talk about in my book is, you know, everybody sees everybody as a rose for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. And so sometimes you want to show your thorns. Right. Uh, and I like to show my thorns because, you know, if I only present to you, back to your original question, you know, all the great things I've ever done in my life, well, you know, then, then all you're going to do is go, okay, well, great, you just had a charmed life, and you won't right. be listening to perhaps how I actually got to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then also, you know, I share humbly both Nothing to Lose, my first book, which I had a chapter in that called Million Dollar Mistakes, which is every mistake I could think of that cost me over a million bucks. <laughs> Rock Bottom to Rock Star is probably filled with $100 million mistakes. And my yeah. next book will probably be filled with billion-dollar mistakes, right? So right. Yeah. failure and, and your failure quotient is what toughens you and creates resilience and creates work ethic and creates determination and knowledge. And, and also, you know, the most important thing you can learn 
you know, from a, a street smart MBA kind of concept is yeah. uh, you got to learn what not to do because everybody knows what to do, right? Wake up, set your goals, you know, get a workout in, eat perfect, uh, you know, communicate to 100 people a day, uh, you know, uh, get your rest, <laughs> eat perfect. Everybody knows right. how to do Right, call that, your mother. Yeah. Right? right. Yeah, call your mother. Right? Yeah. I'm right now. I got to call my mother, call my son, right? right. You know, all those things. Everybody knows how to do that. So, but how do you do that? Right? Or how do you at least get to the perfect version? Not perfect version, but how do you, how do you try to, to make sure that every day you're getting one step closer, one percent closer, one inch closer, you know, to, to the foundation that you want to be your legacy? Now, back to your website question, uh, you do have to talk positively about yourself, but that means you're going to receive people um, thinking you're bragging. And believe mm -hmm. me, I've, I've got more critics out there. Oh, you're bragging, <laughs> right? You know what? I don't care. I'm proud of myself. Right. People, you know, and so back to the women versus men conversation, we should all be proud of ourselves. But I always share with everyone, don't just make it about your career on your website. Talk about, like, your cause. Talk about the charities you give to. Talk about, you know, your love of your children or the community or your church, and then talk about your business accolades because people don't uh, want to know, you know, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Right. And you have to make sure that you lead with that, whatever cause is. Uh, I, I'll give you a reference. My friend who's a musician, he was in the band The Calling, so he's a platinum recording artist. His name is Daniel D'Amico. Uh, traveled the world. Uh, uh, he's a virtuoso, good friend. And right now in the music industry, a musical director or pianist or guitarist, they don't get paid very well because the mm -hmm. lead singer gets all the money and they just basically have to tour uh, all around the, the world at a hundred thousand a year kind of salary. And they spend most of it on the, sh on the road and they say mm -hmm. very little. Um, and he went into real estate uh, because he needs, he wants, you know, he doesn't want to travel and be a rock star anymore. He wants to have something more secure and, and have an opportunity to have time, freedom and income. And I told him when I was talking to him, I was like, Daniel, Actually, I write about him in, uh, at the very end of Rock Bomb to Rockstar on your purpose. So I was like, Daniel, your purpose is, is to inspire people through your vehicle of music. Real estate and you doing real estate is exactly the same, right? Because the more money you make in real estate, the more you can make music that you love and that you care about, and you'll do it for free for the rest of your life because he loves making music. So you have to see them one in the same. And I said, but when you communicate to people that if they want to list your house or they want to sell uh, their house, and they're doing that with a person – who by them doing that with Daniel, the rock star, they're helping this rock star make music, they'll want to mm -hmm. live with you all day long because there's a greater purpose. It's not just put money in your pocket so you can drive a nice car. car no, right. put money in your pocket so you can create music. And uh, when he started communicating that aspect of who he was, people started coming out in droves to list with them and work with him. I love that. And it's just the reason why he's doing real estate, right? Because everybody, right. you've got to stand out, right? How many real estate agents are out there? Millions. Millions. Right? They, you know, and they hound you. They call you. Like, I got houses that I buy and sell, and, and I have, I've had them hop over fences before to try to meet me, right? Which, right. You know, God bless them for being persistent and everything, but right, you know, yeah. stand out in our society. Right. It's true. Well, it's kind of like what you talk about, the difference between goals and desire in your book. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's that yeah. those yeah. people have the desire to, to get to the top of their game, and they're going to hop the fences and knock on your door and call you 50 times. Yep. Yeah. Desire. You know, I, I learned, uh, and I, I guess there's a process. Not everybody is wired the same way. So one of the things people have to realize is, like, I'm a visual person, so I dream about the future. 
Um, and I, a coping mechanism of mine is when I feel pain, whether it be, and I said, my mom's on hospice right now, so I'm day by day with her. So I feel pain. So but when sorry. I feel pain, I just think about the future. You know, right. I think about, hey, there's no, you can't spend any time in pain. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't serve you. You know, and I, I ruptured my uh, patella tendon playing basketball in Israel last year. And so I know mm-hmm. a lot about physical pain. I was, you know, you know, I couldn't walk for seven, eight months. Right. Um, and, and I've had mental pain and agony as well. But you spend time there, and what you feed grows. But if I feed that pain, it's going to grow. But what you starve dies. So if I starve that pain, I'm not paying attention to it. I'm not spending time there. And, yeah, you've got to feel. That's, you know, I'm not saying don't feel. But you have to compartmentalize. You've got to turn on and off those particular compartments. Feel the pain, shut off the compartment, and go to work. Feel the pain, shut off the compartment, and go spend some time, you know, in, at the spa or doing yoga. Feel the pain, shut up the compartment, uh, you know, and then, and then open up another compartment of opportunity. And you've got to live your life like that because, you know, if, if you allow your emotions to take control of everything, then you're not going to do anything logically. And if you allow your logic to take control of everything, you're not going to have any emotions. So it's a, it's a balancing act, but it's daily. It's by the hour. So I, I tend to compartmentalize on a per-hour basis, uh, and, you know, with the exception of sleeping, then that's the right. rest compartment, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank God for that. Yeah. I mean, how do, do you, do you, well, you mentioned in the beginning that not everybody is built the same way. And so do you think that that's, if you don't feel like you're built that way, I, I'm built very much in the same way that you are and yeah. I can compartmentalize, but so many people can't. And is, do you think that's something yeah. people can learn and teach themselves? Yeah. Yeah, everything can be learned, all behaviors. So one of the things I, a person recently told me is people don't buy products. They, buy, they don't buy people. They buy behaviors, right? So uh, you can learn any behavior. Um, uh, one of the other things I talk about in, in uh, uh, Rock Bond Rockstar is the, uh, the excuse department. Man, it's so easy mm-hmm. to let excuses creep in. I see it. I do it. Everybody does it. Uh, right. You know, I, had, uh, I was on the phone with my sales team earlier, and uh, somebody had mentioned, well, if we only had a product that had this amount of, you know, this type of vegan uh, protein powder or, you know, protein combination. And I'm like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? Like, you know, like, yes, there's probably, you know, uh, all kinds of great protein combinations out there. And, you know, there's 17 different plant-based proteins that you can have. And, you know, we put our best uh, into developing this product. And like, I'm like, really, you think that you could sell a product that had more pea pro- protein than perhaps soy protein or whatever it is? <laughs> was, it's just people make excuses all day long for, what not, for why they can't. What you need to do is shut off that voice and accept no excuses, and most importantly, no excuses from you or anyone else around you that's going to stop you from getting to that goal that you desire so much. Because it's, and it's really easy. And we, we get programmed with excuses all day long. Right. Totally. And, and the other thing, too, is it's, it's hard, I think, at some point <clears throat> to, to weed the people out of your life that either encourage yeah. those excuses or are full of excuses because then it just becomes, you know, if you're around people that make excuses all the time, that's kind of what your life yep. becomes, becomes about, you know, and you've got to learn how to cut those people out, even if it's sad. Yeah, well, people are influencing you and programming you constantly, and and. You got to become aware of that. I mean, now more than ever. Look at the the election cycle going on. With mm-hmm. you know, I mean, every day there's a negative message hitting, you know, people. And um, right. unfortunately, with the age of social media, you know, we can target people with messaging. Uh, and the easiest thing to do is to make people afraid 
because when they're afraid, they vote. When they're afraid, right. they might uh, buy. When they're afraid, they might you know buy the gold coins or they buy the the, the you know the survival kits. Right? Now you yeah. see this marketing all day long of people using fear as their, their primary marketing tactic, and that's a shame because fear is the only thing stopping you from being successful. Right. You know, fear of, of not being enough. You know, being having self doubt. That's mm-hmm. a fear, right? Can I do it? I don't think I can. That's fear. Uh, right. Fear of rejection. This person's going to doubt me. Fear of being embarrassed, right? Fear of, fear of failure. All those things are what's stopping you from becoming a successful uh, uh, executive um, or a successful, you know, a superstar, single mother or stay-at-home mother or father or otherwise, right? It's fear. Yep. Uh, or I guess I would say the opposite might be comfort. You're, either, you're just comfortable. So, you like, you know, you just like to be comfortable. And, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, people are, the comfort is a mask. Uh, people are hiding behind the idea of comfort. But I think if you know that you have potential that's not being realized, I don't think you're really comfortable. I just think you pretend to be comfortable. Right. I agree. And once you step out of your comfort zone, then you can let things go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many bottles of wine? Uh, you know, I always watch, sometimes I'll watch TV, and I'll see, like, the real housewives. And I have some friends on it. But it's like, you know, they look really comfortable. But, right. you know, every time I see them, they're getting drunk. Right? <laughs> so, and yelling. Look, I love to have scotch. I love to have my fair share of scotch, but like you're not seeing me all day long at the country club getting drunk, right? That's not happiness, right? Right? Uh, yeah. right? But you know, but boy, do people try to masquerade as though it is. Uh, I know. So regardless of your socioeconomic status, like you have to, you have to focus on you, and then when you improve you and grow you and develop you and, and get better and have stronger commitment to your values or define your values in the first place, the more that you do that, the more the world and the universe will conspire to help you. And that's Paulo Coelho uh, of uh, The Alchemist. The and Alchemist, he's yeah. He's a person. Yeah, <laughs> love, he reached out yep, to me just the other that. day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Book. Just the other day he reached out to me, and that's it, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I was actually seeking mentorship from him. Um, back to your original question, he was like on the untouchable list, and somehow, you know, the universe conspired to put him in front of me. And, uh, yeah. and I was asking him, hey, you know, how, how did you do it with The Alchemist? And, his, you know, his book's been read over over 200 million people, and he just said, your readers are going to do all the selling for you, Ryan. Get them to read it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And so yep. those are the tidbits that I like to share in my books and my writings, you know, my LinkedIn articles and everything else I'm doing. So, you know, anything I can help you guys with, let me know. I mean, I'd, I'd love to dive in and actually see people take action because when I see them actually have, like if they read my book or, and they take action, like Gerard Adams of Elite Daily did. He, he read my book. He started Elite Daily. He called me up. I invested. He sold his company for $47 million just a few years later. And, you know, and, there's, and I didn't make a ton of money from it. I, you know, obviously, I, I got to be along for the ride and to see his talent blossom. But, you know, you look at it and you go, wow, like there's an opportunity to inspire a whole new generation with what entrepreneurship is all about, with being positive, mm-hmm. not negative, and with not right. wasting your time, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and social media uh, and basically letting other people steal your time. You need to invest your time so that way you, you have all the time freedom you ever desire. Exactly. It's so true. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. you're talking about like working 16 hours a day and I'm like, he's a single dad. I'm a single mom. I have eight and a half year old twins. Um, oh. and you got it harder like, than I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, a mag, that's like, ten, that's, a, that's the power of 10 to have eight and a half yeah. year old twins. I have a seven and a half year old boy. 
So I, I give you a multiplier on, uh, on the degree of difficulty. And the mothers have it a little harder than the fathers that are single. And I'm just blessed, though, that my, my son's single mother is a rock star. She, you know, she does everything she can for my boy. And so I, I could not be uh, the single father that I am if we're not for, you know, the other end of that. And that's uh, his amazing mother. Yeah, well, you're so lucky that you have somebody there who's in his life. My ex-husband lives in France, yeah. so... Yeah. Not, not too close. I, you know, I, that's, a lot, that's a bigger topic. One of the, I was asked the other day, you know, people ask me, like, hey, if you had influence over politics or otherwise, what would you do? And, like, I, would re, I make it a requirement that you have to be there for your child. It's not about child support, yeah. right? I mean, it's, a, it's about investment, and it's about you – know, I'd, make, I'd make fathers that are disappearing go through a program to transform them, you know, from a person who's so selfish that they're not in their child's life to a person who understands that their purpose on this planet is for that child to grow above and beyond the circumstances that they were, you know, they were blessed to be born with. So that way we yep. can all fix this society one day. But if we keep abandoning our kids uh, as a society and a culture, you know, these poor kids, they don't get the support they need and they don't fix the big problems that we have facing us. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I... Yeah. Fatherless children and... is, a, I think, an epidemic that needs to be fixed badly. because I... it's, it's spreading and we allow people off the hook. Yep. As a society, it's, it's a shame. It's like you give, I, I don't smoke, but you give people more. Uh, uh, I don't smoke whatsoever, but I see people getting more, um, uh, they, get, they get more uh, uh, negative attention and negative looks. And, you know, nobody wants, to, at least in California, nobody wants yeah. to be around oh, people yeah. who smoke. And then right. like a guy abandons his kids and he's just fine. Come on in. We love you. You know, right, exactly. I doesn't know. make any sense. Right, or even, or even the moms that abandon their kids, you know, either way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I know yeah. it's, it's so it, important. Every, every day at 3 o'clock, I pick them up from school, and we, you know, uh, awesome. got our time together. Yeah, I got, yeah. My, I got, I got my boy. I get my boy. Uh, I'm blessed that I was able to get him a house right next to mine, and uh, so I, I get to see him you know, nearly every day with the exception of when I'm on the road or when he's, yeah. he's so busy with art and activities and karate and sports <laughs> and school and so uh, he's got a full-time job, too. Exactly. So hey, I have one more question for you. Sure. So sure. In, your, uh, in your Chapter 4, super, Find Your Superpower, so you talk a lot about, you know, in there about honing your signature and your style, and you say that you used yeah. to wear suits, and now you wear T-shirt and jeans and Converse or something yeah. to work. But most of your PR shots of you in a suit. So I want to know, is that your rock star signature and your persona for yeah. work, or is that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, it, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm all over the place when it comes to wardrobe. Um, I, I started an article called Rich Boy, Poor Boy, which is a juxtaposition between the two and how – you know, like I, I still find myself gravitating to, you know, Dickies in a white T-shirt. That's how I was raised. Uh, but on occasion, like tonight, I'll be at the uh, Boys and Girls Club National Gala. I'll put on a suit uh, for that, and I'll love wearing mm-hmm. a suit. I, I basically, my signature is I do whatever I want to do. Uh, uh, I wear whatever I want to wear. But what I want to wear is what's going to make me feel the best. My friends who are in fashion, they tell me, Ryan, it's how it makes you feel. You know, your clothing right. is an extension of your skin. If you put on a certain, pair of, you know, certain outfit and it makes you feel great, it makes you feel confident and, you know, and, and, you know, self-assured, or it makes you feel uh, like you can build rapport easier, wear that. Now, that said, on the, uh, I do do a lot of speeches for corporations, and I'll adapt to their culture because if they've invited me into their culture as a guest, I'm not going to, you know, uh, I'm not going to break their cultural rules or their cultural, you know, style. Right, uh, sure. But, I, you know, I, I, got, I got my... Uh, 
I got my fair share of all kinds of clothes. That's one of the things that I think I overcompensated with, having no clothes, <laughs> having, having to have thrift store clothing. I think, uh, I think my wardrobe is a bit uh, over the top on, on the range, I would say, from, <laughs> from, uh, you know, from all things. But, yeah, on well, the I style just... side of it, you know, on the signature style side, of it, just to interject there, I'm tattooed. I, I you know, I'm, uh, uh, I, I work out all the time. My signature is my signature. You just got to own it. And then the last mm-hmm. item on it, and I talk about in my book, is reinvention. So I'm in the middle of a reinvention right now. You know, I reinvented myself from gang member to entrepreneur, you know, from entrepreneur to, uh, you know, or from gang member to software engineer, from software engineer to entrepreneur, from entrepreneur to well, uh, health and wellness entrepreneur, and uh, now to writer and, and uh, you know, I don't know, I want to say just, I guess, now to writer and author. And, right. Uh, and so part of me is you know, is uh, in the middle of that reinvention. I appreciate people joining me for the journey. I love it. I really, I'm really enjoying your book, and I, I think it's, it's really a, power, a powerful one that's out there. So thank you for writing awesome. it, and thank you for talking to me. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, really it's my fun. pleasure, Sarah. I love, you know, I always tell people, though, I do entrepreneurship, and then I write about it. I love people who yeah. write about the subject of entrepreneurship having never done it. I don't have time yep. for that. So I don't, I, don't write, I don't write a lot, and when I do, I want it to be great. So if anybody out there wants to give me a review or, or, um, you know, or, or engage in content in my book, I'd be happy to engage directly with them. I'm on social media. If you go to ryanboy.com, you can find all about me. Oh, yeah. We'll put it all in the podcast too. Cool. So uh, everyone well, you're will awesome. know where, know where to get you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and if you ever want to do a follow-up, if you source questions from this podcast, I'm happy to – you know, come back on from, you know, uh, sometime down the road and, you know, answer some questions specifically. So, I'd love that. I will take you up yeah. on that offer. All right. Cool. Thank and you good again. luck to you, by the way, and your two eight-and-a-half-year-old eight twins. Uh, thank uh, you. have a fan over here now, a uh, single mother with eight-and-a-half-year-old <laughs> twins. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. I am a fan of you. Yeah, too. thank you, sir. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.